This morning we're going about things a little differently and we'll be taking several uh, times in the service to look at the scriptures in uh, three parts. And, and as we're looking at this, we started last week with our first of the means of grace or the spiritual disciplines, um, as some call them, these ways that we connect with Jesus, these habits that we form so that we can receive from him what we need to grow. And uh, so we'll be looking at this morning, the Lord's Supper. And, uh, and our passage, is, as I said, was divided into three parts. So the middle part of our passage, very familiar words that we often say during communion and uh, you would hear and recognize immediately, most of you. But there's no doubt uh, that they are part of that liturgy. But today I want to also consider the passage that comes, the part that comes before that flows into that and the part that Paul writes in his letter that flows out of that afterwards. And so we'll be looking at those in different, at different times during the service. And so the, the first section of the passage we're looking at, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we'll be going through uh, verses 17 to 22 first. Paul writes, But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. And to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that those who have God's approval will be recognized. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. So as we begin to look at that passage, um, I, it, some of it may sound familiar, but, but just to know the background it would help us understand that the church... Uh, met in homes. And so the, the ancient church, they would, uh, Paul would start a church, he would speak in the synagogue, but, but when they met together as the body of Christ, they met in people's homes. They didn't have a church building like we have. They weren't that fortunate. And so as the church started to form, they would meet in houses. And uh, as the church grew and there were larger numbers, especially, it, it was necessary for them to have enough space to accommodate that group. And, and so as the growing group uh, developed, they would often meet in, in the homes of people who had larger homes, which were the people who had more money, right? Not much has changed. So the worship, uh, it would include a meal together. And so they would eat together, and as they celebrated uh, and ate together, the potluck was merged together with the Lord's Supper, with communion. And so that act that we do when we do this ritual during our worship service, if you can imagine that combined in the middle of their, uh, of their potluck when there's joyous conversation and they're enjoying fellowship together and, and they're having you know, great connection with each other, and then they would pull out the elements. And they would say as they broke bread together, this is, this is Jesus' body broken for us. And so they celebrated at first, uh, as they celebrated in each potluck, they 
each potluck pointed to Jesus and uh, his death and his resurrection. And they celebrated the Lord's Supper, uh, it's believed, daily at first. There's signs in the text that, that seem to suggest that. And, and then they went to weekly, and, and now a little more infrequently. And, and it wasn't as if, oh, that's a bad thing, we're letting it slide. It was just, it was just the way that things developed. And so as Paul writes to the church in Corinth, that's their experience. They would be going together, meeting in homes, gathering in some richer member of the congregation's home that was willing to welcome everybody in and, uh, and hold the service at their house. And uh, then they would share a meal. And, and in the context of that, they would break bread and, and, and do this thing that they did to remember Jesus that he instituted. And, uh, and so it became a beautiful thing. And, and, and in fact, in Acts 2, at the very beginning of the church's history, uh, we're told in, in, in chapter 2 of Acts that they had this beautiful relationship with each other. They shared everything. And, and it describes the Lord's Supper there in, in chapter 2, verse 42. So they celebrated the Lord's Supper as part of their meal. To, oh, sorry. Uh, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals including the Lord's Supper and a prayer. So from the earliest time, that was their practice. We meet together, we eat together, we enjoy each other's company, we, we grow closer as a community. You know, you always get a little closer to people when you've had a meal together, right? And so they did that, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. And there's this beautiful picture of them following the apostles' teaching, like, like going through the early scriptures and the letters of Paul as they were written, became almost immediately adopted by the church. And they realized, well, this is scripture just like the Old Testament scripture. And, and these words are about God because they're the stories of Jesus. And, and they're explanations of, of who Jesus is and what he did. And, and so they began to include the stories that, uh, that they told. And they began to, to share his letters around. And so... They devoted themselves to that, and they devoted themselves to each other, and they ate together, and they shared this intimate meal that, that celebrated what Jesus did on the cross for them. And, and so they celebrated his broken body and his shed blood. And so that's a beautiful picture in Acts 2, but what's happening in Corinth is different. And Paul wants them to know that he notices the difference. So he opens this passage with, in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. And then he explains it all, and then at the end he says it again, what am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly won't praise you for this. So they've been looking for praise. There was something about it that they'd, he'd heard from them that they were celebrating communion together all the time, that we meet in homes and, and we're doing this thing you told us to do to celebrate Jesus' death and resurrection. And he says, I can't praise you. I know you're looking for praise kind of thing, but I can't praise you for the way you're doing it because you're doing it wrong. And in fact, it's harmful rather than helpful. More harm than good is being done. And so he explains them what he's talking about. And he says, so what am I supposed to say? I, I can't. I, I just can't bring myself to praise you for it. So piecing together the clues, uh, what is it that we're seeing there other than that they're proud of something they'd shared with them, proud of the way that they'd celebrated the Lord's Supper and gathered, and, and, uh, and, and that it's about the Lord's Supper, how often they do it, and that's what they, they're, they're talking about. But he says, 
they're talking about how meaningful it is and he they're looking for kudos and Paul says I can't praise you for doing it for it sounds that there's more harm than good and then he starts to explain what his problem is and so he says first I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church and to some extent I believe it so Paul's heard reports that there's divisions among people in the church people in the church aren't together they're not in that beautiful fellowship uh, of Acts 2 they're actually broken and separated from each other and so he says that I hear that there's divisions and, and you know I, I buy it I believe it to some extent I believe that it's true but of course there must be divisions among you so that those who have God's approval will be recognized so he says like it's it's kind of natural that there are some divisions because divisions happen because some are trying to follow God you know and, and serious about it and sometimes people are on the wrong page so he says you know whenever there's kind of people doing things some people get it right and some people get it wrong and, and that may have to happen divisions are natural and to be expected but because some are uh, because some are living away according to the way God approves and some aren't but what's not right in this church for them he says has to do with communion so what's right what what is the right way to do communion is our question right like we are we're, we're do this and we do it regularly but but what is it about the heart of what they're messing up in Corinth that is a cautionary word for us what can we learn about the right way to do it and the wrong way to do it what's the way that they're doing it that's wrong that Paul can't praise them for and, and doesn't have God's approval and so he starts to explain what's happening and and he says for you need to uh, so, so for that we need to understand the background of it right we need to know that okay so they're meeting in homes and they're meeting probably in some more well-to-do homes and uh, and there are rich people there there are poor people there and uh, and he's got some understanding that that things aren't really nice about how they're treating each other so if you piece together the clues knowing that's the nature of their gathering it, it kind of becomes clear so uh, they, they meet and they have this potluck including the Lord's Supper and, and, and Paul says when you meet together you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper that's a pretty serious charge right he says you're meeting together and you have this meal and, and you celebrate what's supposed to be communion you celebrate uh, about Jesus death and resurrection you break the bread and you talk about his broken body you're pouring a cup and you're talking about his shed blood but there's something about the way you're doing it that that means you're not really interested in doing what that means you're missing the entire point and then he goes on to say for some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others as a result some go hungry while others get drunk like they indulge themselves what don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor so so you can kind of pick up on the clues there that what's happening is they gather and they're having this meal but he says you know some hurry up and eat and others don't and if you understand their culture it begins to make sense because the rich had more leisure time right like they didn't have to put in as long a day of work rich people had money and means and they could gather earlier and they could get together so so the host of of this nice home and 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 their friends they would get there early 
because they had time on their hands and in their culture they would have more freedom to get there. And so they began arriving before all the poor people got off work and could get away from the fields and, 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 and the things they were doing at work trying to eke out a living and by the time the poor got there the rich had had their nice dinner party with their close friends their peers the people who had shared their common experience of, of, of wealth and influence and so they ate and they ate so much of the potluck that there was nothing left there and so the poor brought their meager offerings and and maybe in their minds they thought well we brought more food so why shouldn't we eat more food and we brought more wine why shouldn't we have more wine and they kind of had some kind of justification but whatever it was Paul says you guys are getting there early and eating and, and, and then some arrive hungry and go hungry while you've just stuffed yourself you've indulged your every whim and these poor people that you're disgracing them so the poor are being disgraced and the rich are being indulged and he says that does not fit with what you are trying to do if you think that's the Lord's Supper you are missing the entire point of the exercise and so Paul points out to them the problem and he calls them out for it and so he tells them that those in power are discounting the value of the people who don't have the power. They have the power to get there early. They have the power to, to, to run the way that the service is going to happen. And the poor just arrive and kind of get the scraps. And he says, that's not the body of Christ. It's not okay. And so he... Uh, he recounts at this point in the letter that the Lord's Supper was handed down to them by Jesus. And that's when you come to the picture that we have in Scripture. And that's where we, we see and hear those words of institution that we hear over and over again. This is where they celebrated communion. And so we're, we're going to take some time in a few moments to consider those words, but in the context of what's happening and what Paul is saying there. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 26. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So there we had the description of communion of the Lord's Supper. And then in the following, following that, there is a passage, and as Paul continues on his letter, he says, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily, is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That's why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. 
Yet when we are judged by the, by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So, my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you are really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves. When you meet together, I'll give you instructions about the other matters after I arrive. So Paul has just explained to the Corinthians the picture that we, we, we got before, that, that they're gathering and, and they're, suppo- they're claiming, we, you know, we gather, we do the meal thing, we celebrate communion, we're doing right, right? Like we should deserve praise for this. You, you should be happy with what we're doing. And when he answers them, he says, I can't give you praise because of the way you're doing it. And the way you're doing it is that some people are honored and some people are dishonored. Some people are important and valued in the gathering and the sharing of bread, and some are not really included in the sharing part. And so, as he begins to explain to them what Jesus did, what Jesus said the night he was betrayed, and, and says, look, this is, this is sacred, what we're doing. We, you're familiar with that passage for, that, uh, that was illustrated in the video, right? You, you remember those words because we celebrate communion and we often read them. And you may even be be familiar with this next passage. He says, anyone who eats this drink and uh, eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. There are churches where they use that sometimes at least as part of the liturgy. They, they, They read that passage and they say, that's why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. And I've been in churches where they emphasize that and they said, you know, search your heart if there's any hidden sin there. And and if you've got sin going on between you and Jesus, set it right. Before you come to the table, get your heart right because you can't come up here unworthily. And you need to do a kind of a gut check to make sure you're doing this in the right way and that you come up uh, not with sin in your life. And so if you don't feel worthy this Sunday, maybe you should sit out and maybe do it another time. And it's been misunderstood, I believe, in that. And so it, it, it's caused some people to feel, well, I shouldn't participate this Sunday. I shouldn't do it. I got stuff going on, and I know I've made mistakes, and I've done things this week. I've sinned against God. I've sinned against other people, and I know my heart's not in the right place, so I should not do this. And the problem with that is that if you've got sin in your life and you've got a problem between you and God or between you and other people, if there's things that you know you've done wrong and you need to get right and you're conscious of that sin, Jesus' death, the cross that we're celebrating in this act, that's the exact place you should go running, not the place that you should hold back from and stay away from. You shouldn't feel unsafe to approach Jesus because you've got sin in your life. If you've got sin in your life, you need to run and get there faster. You need to approach him knowing that he loves you and he died so that you could be forgiven from those sins. And so I think... With the best of intentions, people take this and they say, if you are unworthy, if any of you are unworthy, all the worthy people come up and receive. And Paul says, he's not, 
Paul's not saying that here. I think that's a misunderstanding. And if you read the entire letter, if you understand what he's saying before about the rich and the poor and the people who have power and the people who don't have power, the people who feel like they're doing the right thing, but there's other people in the church that they are not treating right. Because that's what's at issue, right? And then in that context, you start to understand when he says that you, you should examine yourself before eating the bread, that you shouldn't do this unworthily, that you, you'd be guilty of sinning. He says you'd be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of, of Jesus, yes, and that's why you should examine yourself. But then Paul goes on to say, if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment on yourself. He says if you do it in a way the unworthiness he's talking about here is if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ. And in saying that, he's not saying honor the body of Christ like his blood and his body. He's saying honor the body of Christ as in the people of God in whom Jesus resides and the people for whom he died. And that's why he says to them, you can't treat people like that inside the body because it dishonors his body. So it's no good to break bread. It's no good to pour wine. It's no good to have a cup and a loaf and to talk about Jesus' broken body when his body is sitting in the room and you're treating them like, like they don't even matter. And so he says that's what makes you unworthy to receive is that you got broken relationships and that is something that needs to be dealt with before you approach Jesus for his to talk about and to experience his broken body you can come with your sins but you need to be careful that you aren't seeing that as just you and him and and, and the whole world is you know separate from that he's saying it's not separate from that what you do to the other people in the body of christ how you treat other believers has a direct impact on whether you can do this right or whether you can't do this right so he says you need to get that right in your own heart and you can't come up here holding grudges against other christians and, and, and gossiping about other christians and attacking other christians or thinking less of them and thinking they're on the outside and they don't matter. And in the Corinthians case, it, it was the rich and the poor. And the rich friends hung out and, you know, indulged themselves. And they didn't care about the poor. But it's not just the poor that get disenfranchised in church. There are churches where, where people have kind of been in power. They, I've been here 25 years. And this is my church. And what they mean by that is I'm in control here. Right? And the new person coming through the door, it's like, well, you'll get status later. You'll be important later, but maybe you could earn this if you stick around for the next 25 years, but I'll be dead by then, so they, you can have the position of power then. But for now, I'm the important one here. I've done a lot for this church. As if God owes you something. And Paul's going, you can't have higher people and lower people in church. The, the ground at the foot of the cross completely level if you follow my meaning. And so Paul goes, look, get your heart straight as to how you look at others and how you treated others before you approach Jesus and, and try to experience him because what you're doing is in the context, this is in the context of that. And the early church did this in the context of their communal meal. And I'm not saying we're doing it wrong because we didn't have a potluck, although wouldn't that be nice on Sunday morning? 
but that this is in the context of the relationship of that experience they had during that meal, of that closeness that they shared during that meal. And Paul says, if anyone's left out of that closeness, if you're blocking somebody out of that closeness, you need to get your head on straight before you start talking about Jesus and his body, because his body is something you're really treating abusively here. And that's why he says to him, you're not interested in the Lord's Supper if you can do that. So he wants them to get straight as a body of believers. He wants them to get things fixed within them so that they don't call down God's judgment on them for the way that they treat others in the family of faith. The way they look at others sitting around them in the body of Christ. And so he says, if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by this in God in this way. Yet when we are judged... When he does judge us because our hearts are in the wrong place, you know that he's not judging us so that he can attack us and condemn us. When we are judged, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned. He's correcting us so that we can get it straight and we can get things right and we can be the kind of body of Christ we're supposed to be and we can love people the way we should so that when we do this, it means something. So that our witness as a church is strengthened because we are so in sync with one another that people outside will see what they saw in the early church in the times when 3,000 people were added to their number in one day because they saw the love and they went, I want to be a part of that. And church, we need the same love. And we need the same experience of unity. And we don't have to do a potluck when we do this, but we do have to have our hearts on straight and we need to know that we aren't just going through the motions or we aren't taking some private moment just us and Jesus that has nothing to do with other people we need to look at other people and how we treat them and how we look at them and how we think about them and their value to our lives because they are part of Jesus and Jesus says not just don't abuse my body in this but don't abuse my body in this